Today, my guest is Professor Esteban Garcia Canal. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Esteban as a person. Professor Garcia Canal is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar. And then finally, as a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the, uh, for the sake of time, I'll keep my uh, review very short. Uh, Professor Garcia Canal is the author of more than 80 monograms and journal articles. He is the co-author of the widely recognized books such as Emerging Markets Rule and the New Multinational Spanish Firms in a Global Context with Mauro Guillén, among several others. His research interests lie at the intersection of interorganizational relations, organizational economics, and international management. He is or has been on editorial boards of international journals such as JIPS and Management International Review. He quite often appears on international media outlets. And thank you, Esteban, for, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me and congratulations for this initiative, yeah. Uh, first question, what did you want to become when you were a child? Uh, let me see, well, when I was a child, I wanted to be a football player, you know, a tennis player, uh, a race driver, you know, but uh, it wasn't until I completed my, you know, my early years at the university when I wanted to be a, a, a university professor or starting a, a PhD. At that time, I already have realized that, you know, I, I couldn't earn my living in playing any sport, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you pinpoint the earliest moment of awareness between domestic versus foreign? Yes, um, yeah, I, I was born in Spain in, in 1965. So uh, Spain didn't enter into the European Economic Community until 1986, fully effective in 1991. So, you know, during my childhood, my adolescence, uh, Spanish people couldn't travel freely across Europe as other Europeans could do. We have to pay duties for imported goods, which, which were uh, a bit uh, better than local products. So that that's makes you fully aware of the implications of borders, domestic and international. And interestingly, you know, uh, the protection that uh, Spanish companies had took a toll on their competitiveness when they entered into the, when we, we enter into the European Economic Community and they have to compete with uh, more uh, developed uh, companies, yeah. Sure. So fully aware of the differences <laughs> since my early years, yeah. And how did you how did you choose academia? Um, uh, academia, uh, general or, or yeah. yeah. Well, I think that you know I I wanted to know more. You know, it's like uh, um, I, I had the impression that my professors were not telling me everything I, I had to know. So I wanted to study more. I, I think that you know I have a lot of uh, you know criticism capabilities uh, and you know it's like uh, I, I thought that uh, I could use them <laughs> in, in this job. And uh, about your uh, international business focus, uh, how did you develop these? Uh... Yeah, I entered into the field of FB gradually, you know, my, my first uh, step was during my dissertation, I chose uh, strategic alliances as the main topic of my, my dissertation. And I studied then how Spanish companies uh, that were in a difficult situation because uh, what I told you before about the competitiveness, were using alliances as a means to, to expand abroad. Uh, interestingly, you know, a few 
years later, in the second half of the 1990s, Spanish companies started to invest heavily abroad in Latin America, but in Europe, you know, and so the pattern that we were observing we label it uh, accelerated internationalization. And interestingly, uh, uh, during these years, I had a lot of uh, executive education activity in Latin America. So I have a privileged witness of the rise of the multilatinas, uh, you know, the multinationals yeah. from, from Latin America. So uh, extending the research line to emerging markets uh, was, uh, you know, uh, a natural. So that's uh, in these three steps, that's how I landed no, in the in the IV field. No, I see myself, you know, as a, as you told in the introduction, as a professor who is uh, who is in the intersection between strategy, economics, um, and uh, and IV. No, so it's like in the fields like corporate strategy, global strategy. You know, so Perfect. Um, about uh, what is something not on your CV that people might find interesting. Well, uh, as I told you before, I cannot earn my living playing sports, but I do play sports. I, I play tennis uh, every day. It's part of my daily routine. Uh, I'm a fan of the sport. And, you know, it's a good way uh, for me for uh, keeping myself fit, not only physically, but also mentally. You know, it's, and it's, it's, you know I usually play at middays, and it's, very, it's, a, it's a good, uh, you know, daily routine for me. Yeah. Very good. Um, regrets? Have you got any regrets? Well, uh, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, but I do not have, uh, you know, um, special regrets for not doing something. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, what I, I like who I am, and I like where I am right now, uh, and this is the, you know, this is the. the the consequence of all of the choices I've made, even though some of them were mistakes. So I don't look back, especially, uh, you know, in regret. If, if you stop doing what you're doing today, what would you do next? What's the second best career alternative path for you? Well, it's a difficult question, you know. I'm very comfortable doing what I do right now. Uh, consultancy is, is an option, or is it very close to what I do right now? If consultancy is not uh, an option, you know, it could be a, a journalist, you know, you know, a research journalist analyzing, you know, general topics of politics, economics, business, you know, things like that. You know? Or even okay. an sport, an sport, a sport journalist will be fantastic, you know, covering the main events, <laughs> the Super Bowl, uh, Wimbledon, things like that. <laughs> um, what are you most proud of? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with my career, as I told you, but I like to believe that the, the best work is yet to come, you know, so uh, I'm looking for, for the next uh, big thing. So um, I, I hope that when I retire, if I uh, ever do, uh, my best work, the, the thing that I'm most proud of um, will be something not already started. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, let's switch uh, for the sake of time. Let's switch to, to research. Uh, say you're stranded in a small village uh, and locals don't know anything about you. They are curious. Uh, how do you explain your research and why your research is important to people who don't read your work regularly? Um, 
Well, I, I, I think that the, 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 common, the common line between my, my work is to identify the drivers of, uh, of firm growth, especially firm growth, especially how firms can speed up the internationalization process through R&D, alliances, acquisitions, or even through not market, no market strategies. Um, well, I think that this is an important topic because in the business world, as you know, you either grow or, or, or you die. And you know, the, the interesting thing of my research, in, in my opinion, is that I have studied companies that are not the most advanced in the world. So even companies in, in a, not in the best situation can grow uh, in an accelerated way uh, with a right strategy based on alliances, acquisitions, or, or, or non-market strategy. Right. I uh, hope that people find this interesting. <laughs> of course they do. So, um, looking back, at, looking back at uh, IB research, uh, international strategy research, um, what are some of the things that uh, have uh, have been neglected or omitted? Uh, some of the concepts, contexts uh, that we should have covered more of? Well, I think that a lot of smart people, brilliant people uh, have uh, done a lot of work in the IB field. So it's becoming more and more difficult to find new topics and especially to find, uh, you know, variables that are easy to analyze because if they were easy, analyze them, the, the people that preceded us have been already uh, dealt with them. No? So uh, I think that the, the, the omitted variables and the opportunities for doing research are maybe in the boundaries of, of the field. I think that, uh, you know, variables related to institutions, uh, uh, political connections, uh, no market strategies are uh, important variables now, now, nowadays Mostly, if we take into, into account that you know globalization has its ups and downs. You no, know, uh, now I think that we are in, in a down stage. Um, new companies uh, new, and, and new countries are starting to appear in, in the global arena, especially Africa. But they have political tensions. So these these variables of uh, no market strategies, political strategies uh, are becoming more and more important and, and a lot of work needs to be done. Uh, the thing is that these variables are difficult to, to measure uh, and, you know, it's like uh, a lot of uh, thinking is needed in, in order to find the, the right research setting to, to deal with, with them, in my opinion. Uh, can I ask you something about the book you did with uh, Mauro Guillen? And, of course, yeah. Uh, uh, how is that book uh, going to be? Can you talk about the relevance of the book in a world with uh, increased nationalism, increased uh, uh, protectionist uh, policies? Uh, how is it going to be impacting the multinationals? Well, in, in that book, we have a chapter entitled Embrace Chaos. You know, it's like one of the main ideas coming from our research is that um, emerging market multinationals uh, are more used to deal with uh, chaotic environments, uh, with uh, um, surviving in countries with poor institutions. So, uh, you know, it's like uh, we can learn uh, about what they did uh, uh, when, uh, when they expanded abroad, uh, maybe 
taking advantage, if we can use the, this this word, uh, of the the knowledge they have dealing with uh, encounters with before institutions. So that's uh, you know uh, the, the the important thing that you know in, in the literature on emerging markets internationals appear. No, it's like uh, you you have to be able to survive and to fight and to make uh, profits not only in, in developed countries with uh, the right institutions with clear property rights. Uh, you have to be able to 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 survive in, in countries with with poor institutions. Sure. Uh, about creativity in scholarship, uh, about uh, coming up with uh, interesting ideas, interesting places to test these ideas. Where do these creative ideas come to uh, you? Well, I don't know if I have a, a, a had in my life a lot of creative ideas, you know. It's, but you know, it's, I like to. I try to be open to to. I had to, to read a lot, you know. I, I have a, you know, a, my, my PhD was in economics and business. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm some sort of organizational economist uh, with a focus also on strategy. I try to, um, you know gain insights for different disciplines and you know it's like uh, uh, try I, I try to uh, integrate these ideas in a consistent way is and i don't know if i uh, successful at doing it but i try to integrate these ideas uh, in order to develop frameworks with a creative cap capacity you know okay that's uh, you know I, I think that i have my for instance you know to uh, Nobel prizes which are uh, Ronald Coase and Herbert Simon, you know, it's uh, two classic, two classics, and they have been, uh, you know, they have changed um, the 20th century. How do research on management and economics, and you know, they are a, a perfect example of what creative thinkers are, you know. Sure. So, uh, I mean, if you can bet on the future uh, and say, you know, the next five to ten years. Uh, in research is going to be dominated by such and such questions. What would those be? What would be the biggest um, questions of the next decade? Yeah. Well, one of them, uh, I already told you, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, non-market strategies, institutions, uh, political connections are an important uh, research line because of what I told you before, uh, because, uh, you know, the global environment is not homogeneous. And there are tensions, and, and companies need to be able to to deal with them. Um, a, a, a second important research line is the, the role of uh, digital platforms in, in international business. Um, you know, it's like I think that uh, what we have seen so far about digital platforms is just the tip of an iceberg. You know, uh, they are obviously a means for uh, integrating markets. Is a means for they are a means for reaching customers uh, difficult to to contact in any other way. But you know, it's like the use of uh, social networks and digital platforms by new generations imply that they uh, need to get a direct touch with uh, the companies uh, uh, whose products they, they buy. So they want a direct touch, they want more information. Mm -hmm. And this is for me a, a paradigm shift. So, I think that, uh, you know, in this field, we're going to see a lot of developments, you know, because the business landscape is already uh, transformed. 
very quickly by, by them. Sure. So this will be my, my two bets. <laughs> um, about the uh, evolution of IB scholarship, uh, how was it in the past uh, when you were starting out in the program? Uh, and now, how is it uh, taking shape? Well, uh, what I like the most about the, the IV field and the, especially uh, the, the IV community is that it's, it's a very open community. You know, it's like, uh, it's not like uh, other disciplines which are more, you know, uniform, monolithic, uh, you know, people in the, people in the IV community are more open to new ideas coming from other disciplines like sociology, economics, obviously, and political science, for instance. And they are more open to, um, yeah, to, you know, for, to people from from different countries. You, you know, obviously, if there is an, a community that should be open, is the community of international business. But you know, this this openness, I think that uh, was uh, a key factor of the recent development of the field, uh, which helped, you know, you know, to to, um, to remove the, the the thoughts that maybe the the field was in crisis, you know. I think that the, the future of, uh, of IB is, uh, as a field, uh, is, is more clear than a few decades ago because of the openness of the field, I think. Now can we talk about uh, advice portion, the mentoring portion? Uh, when you were going through the program, where did you get your PhD? I get my PhD from uh, from the University of Oviedo, but, you know, I, I did the, 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 the coursework in the University of Navarra, you know, so it's like, uh, well, for uh, admitted reasons, I completed my my university, my, my sorry, my, my degree in Oviedo, but the the, 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 the PhD coursework was done there. So I, I, for me, it was a good uh, platform to, to, to learn new ideas and, and to know very inter interesting people. And uh, what was the best advice you received from your mentor? Well, uh, you know, uh, the, the best advice I, I received was that, you know, uh, among other things, is that uh, when I, I was doing my PhD, I, I'm going to be the guy that knows more uh, about the topic in the world. Uh, you know, uh, I believe that, you know, it, it's not always true that you, if you spend, I don't know, two, three years studying a lot about a topic, you become an expert. So uh, this, uh, you know, this advice, Maybe uh, have the ambition really to sell my ideas uh, outside and publish in English and so on and so forth and you know and uh, being involved in, in a in a bigger community than you know the community uh, of professors in Spain. Yeah, you, you, you've seen uh, many young scholars uh, or PhD students um, early on in their career. Uh, some most people make the same common mistakes. In your opinion, what are these common mistakes that young uh, people... Yeah. Well, one, one mistake is uh, working uh, on your own. You know, uh, you have to be open to, to work with others. Uh, not only your advisor, you have to look for co-authors that uh, enrich your, your research. You know, it's like uh, I have been extremely lucky to work with uh, a, a lot of co-authors, uh, you talk about Mauro, but uh, yeah, and, and, and they are, these co-authors are friends of mine. So it's like the journey is uh, shorter, easier, and funnier with with, with co-authors. No? 
Um, uh, focusing now in, in the in the IV field, I think that uh, you know a, a mistake that that's not very frequent, but I have seen in, in several people, is to think that all of the cross-country difference, cross-country differences between uh, between firms and uh, across countries uh, uh, are the, the, the consequence of culture, you know, it's like uh, culture uh, is an important factor, but doesn't explain everything, you know, it's like uh, recent research shows that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the behavior of uh, people at the behavior of firms are also conditioned by institutions and incentives. So, uh, you know, you, you, you don't need to think that culture is the cause of uh, all of the differences that you, you see. No? And uh, perhaps uh, another mistake which is also important is the last one but not the least you know is uh, um, the least important is um, that uh, quantity can compensate the lack of quality you know in, in terms of the production of your research it's better to have a, a top journal than you know average uh, a lot of publications in an average journal and uh, I have been for instance the, the head of the Committee for Research Grants in Spain. And I, I've seen recently uh, several CVs in which you see uh, guys with a lot of publications, usually average or under average publications, but you feel, well, this guy hasn't had the time to, to be involved in all of this uh, research. So it's like a, a red flag, flag alert. So it's like um, the advice will be don't focus on, don't get obsessed with quantity, think about quality. No? That's, uh, maybe so, so this uh, institution that you're talking about, uh, uh, research institution that you are involved in. Um, so what, what's the criteria for giving grants or approving uh, research? Obviously, the, 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 the criteria is the, 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 the highest quality of your research. If you have, a, I don't know, a, a publication in a top journal, uh, this is what makes different, you know, the the, the research grants uh, are, uh, you know, uh, have the, uh, are given just to, to help you to, to achieve uh, ambitious goals. You know? it's, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to, I don't know, to subsidize a research which is going to, to publish, uh, publish without impact. You know? That's, sure, sure. Uh, about the skills uh, or toolbox, that uh, you would suggest PhD students to develop um, uh, going forward, in your opinion, what's going to be the most useful tools in the toolbox for doing international strategy research on uh, MNCs, multi-Latinas? Uh, what was going to be the most uh, appropriate tool set? Well, obviously, uh, it's very important to have a solid background on, on theory uh, and, and methods. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, um, uh, the, the most important thing is to be able to identify, um, you know, research topics that have a potential for future development. I mean, um, it's like, uh, you know, the, the Boston Consulting Group matrix of market share and growth potential, no? things yeah. like that. So you have to be able to classify research lines according to, to the, you know, the, the potential impact nowadays and the potential impact in the future. It's like you have to go 
for a star research line and not to a top research line because you can do an excellent research on a topic that nobody is interested in. So this is going to give you le less impact. So you, uh, I mean, you know, it's like you have to focus on on research lines with future and to be able maybe to to integrate them in wider and more interesting research lines. I, for instance, I was very successful and I thank my advisor for leading me to, to, to this way, to, to focus on strategic alliances, which was a field that was emerging. And now it's a mainstream topic in the literature. But in the 1980s, I, I started my PhD in 1988. And you know, the, the number of papers on this topic were very reduced. Nowadays, uh, you know, a, a huge number of papers have been published. Sure. Um, it's, it's extremely important to, 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 to catch a wave, you know, Oh, to catch a way of a research line with future uh, potential for development. Well, what's your perspective on, I mean, you, you did mention about executive MBAs, right? What was your perspective on uh, talking to executives about the research you're doing? And how do, how do you communicate with them? Um, obviously, um, <laughs> you know this. This is a, a important, a important question. You know, um, uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, executives are not always interested in in everything that we what they do. You know, it's like, um, for instance, I've been teaching uh, executive courses on on alliances, so this is not obviously. I'm not talking only about the results of my research. What I try to do is to find, you know, like uh, um, conceptual frameworks that are useful for them for, for making decisions. So it's like you, you have to focus on the implications for management practice and for management decisions. But, you know, um, obviously 100% of what we do in terms of research are, cannot be directly translated into, um, Executive, uh, executive um, education. No, you you have to, um, you know, it's like to you have to uh, simplify and integrate with type of others uh, to like like to build, you know, a, a, a conceptual toolkit that they can use for making for making decisions. No? It's like uh, it's like for instance when you publish in the Harvard Business Review. No, it's like uh, you. You cannot publish the same in the Harvard Review that you publish in in, in SMJ, no. So it's like th things like that. It's like uh, yeah, it's, maybe perhaps it's the best way, no. If you think uh, what will be the 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 Harvard Business Review version of your research? That's what you teach in uh, <laughs> in executive <laughs> education. That's right. I mean, my expertise area is uh, area of expertise Italian firms. And when I first started working with Italian firms, maybe 15, 15 18 years ago. I was thinking about growth. Or how do we grow the firm? You know, trained uh, in, in that fashion, but they were actually interested in survival, not growth at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Well, the, the thing is that, for instance, uh, there are companies that doesn't want to grow. Uh, there are two types of companies that doesn't want to grow. First, family firms. Not all family firms, but some family firms uh, do not want to grow. And maybe in Spain, if you if your turnover uh, surpasses a same time threshold. 
you are under the scrutiny of a special unit of the tax office. So, so there are companies that want to be, but you know, the average company wants to grow because otherwise uh, you are losing potential. And as I said before, you either grow or, or you die. So uh, the, the important thing is that uh, in the interesting thing is that uh, as most of the managers are interested, at least the managers that I faced in my classes, uh, most of these managers uh, were interested in, in growing. You know, it's like well, I could introduce uh, the, my research in, in my classes. Perfect. Uh, last question. What's the question that I should have asked you about, Evan? Um, well, you could have you could, you could have asked me if um, um, if I still have the same motivation as the first, as uh, in, in the first day. No? Uh, oh, if I still have the same motivation. Um, uh, I will tell you, yes, I, I do. I do have the same motivation. Uh, the thing is that uh, I do not um, dedicate so many hours eh, to my job eh, because obviously, um, you know, uh, as you grow, you are more concerned with health issues. Uh, you have only one life to live. And you know, when I was doing my PhD, I was working, I don't know, 14 hours a day or things like that. It's like, but I think that on the other hand, I'm more productive right now. I have more knowledge about how to um, uh, identify research gap, how to identify, how to define the research questions, how to define the research settings. So yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I have the hopes that, you know, as I told you before, my best work is yet to come. So well, time will tell. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Oh. Uh, I Thank you, guys. This was helpful. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks.